Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is the podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Matthew. Today is episode 803, and we're looking at Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 17. Let's read the passage. If your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. If he won't listen, take one or two others with you, so that by the testimony of two or three witnesses, every fact may be established. If he doesn't pay attention to them, tell the church. If he doesn't pay attention even to the church, let him be like a Gentile and a tax collector to you. This is the Gospel according to Matthew. Matthew is writing this Gospel, this account of the ministry of Jesus, to convince people that Jesus is the Messiah. He's given us this teaching, preaching, healing ministry of Jesus. And we're in this section of teaching, the fourth teaching discourse. The discourses are these extended teaching segments. He has five of them. And we're in the fourth one. And it's about relationships. Some call it the discourse on relationships, but it's specifically relationships amongst disciples. Some call it the discourse on the church. We've had this shift in the Gospel of Matthew, where he's looking forward now to go into Jerusalem for his death and resurrection. He's already had two predictions of that. And this discourse began with the question by the disciples, who will be the greatest? Jesus's response is, well, the goal is not to be the greatest, but to be the least. And they talked about the seriousness of causing a disciple to stumble or fall away. And then he gave the parable of the lost sheep to show the concern that God has for a potential falling away or wandering away of a disciple. Well, now he's going to shift a little bit here where before it was warning people to be careful that you're not causing others to stumble, not sinning against others. Here he's going to deal with the question, what happens if you are the one who has been sinned against? And so we start here in Matthew 18, verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. So if your brother sins. So he's talking about within the Christian community here. And that is this whole discourse. It's about relationships between one another, fellow disciples. And so what do you do if your fellow disciple sins against you. Now, there's some disagreement here about against you, because some important early manuscripts of Matthew don't have this against you. And so the question is, should it say if your brother sins, or should it say your brother sins against you? And how you take it gives a different nuance to this whole section and even causes some pushback. Because if there is against you, if it's your brother sins against you, well then, is this really about your brother's welfare or is this a personal grievance issue? And is this then even applicable if I'm not the injured party? Yes, I know my brother is sinning, sinning badly. But he's not sinning against me. So I can't really use this as a template to go and deal with this sin because it's not against me. 
But if we leave out the against you, it's just your brother is sinning. Well, then the issue is actual concern over the spiritual health of a fellow disciple who is sinning. But then when do I cross the line between meddling in somebody else's business? So you can get into bad areas with, with either interpretation of this. Point is, is check your motive. Are you dealing with personal grievances? Or are you looking to meddle in others? If we leave the against you here, well, there's plenty of areas in the New Testament which tell us we are to deal with the sin of others, even if we're not an injured party. And this does provide a good template for even how to do that. But the point here is your, your brother sins, specifically sins against you, but go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. So the challenge here is go talk to the person. Don't gossip about them. Don't start a campaign against them. Go talk to the person directly. Now, all the use here in verses 15 through 17 are singular. So, sins against you, individual, then go talk between you, individual, and him. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. Now, the assumption here is it's a legitimate concern that you have. You're not just being picky about something or disagreeing about something. There's a legitimate offense. And you go and tell the person, hey, this offended me. This is a problem. And if the person hears it, accepts it, and repents of it, then that is the solution. That is the goal. The goal of this is reconciliation. The goal is not punishment. The goal is reconciliation. So if your brother in Christ has sinned against you, what you want to do is have them repent and reconcile. Verse 16, but if you won't listen, take one or two others with you, so that by the testimony of two or three witnesses, every fact may be established. So you've gone and talked individually, and it didn't get anywhere. And so now Jesus says, take somebody else with you. Now, the one or two witnesses so that every fact may be established. This is the language from Deuteronomy, specifically Deuteronomy 19.15. And that is the, the way things should be done in a judicial proceedings. We're actually going to determine the guilt of someone. So he's using that same principle. It's not just you. It's not just your word versus their word. It's there's others involved in this. Now, question here it says take one or two others with you and to have multiple witnesses. Are these witnesses of the offense or witnesses of the interaction with this person? He doesn't say, and I don't think he's given that detailed of rules here. He's using language from Deuteronomy, but we're not talking about a judicial proceeding where we're going to find somebody guilty of something. I think he's just saying, take a couple of other people with you so that they can calm things down if they get testy. They can help determine if things are reasonable or unreasonable. And what's the goal in this? The goal is reconciliation. That with 
the multiple people involved now, we can have a, a rational discussion to come to an agreement over what is good and right and proper and get on with life. Verse 17, if he doesn't pay attention to them, tell the church. Now, this is only the second place we've seen church in Matthew's gospel. We saw it when Jesus said to Peter, on this rock I'll build my church. And now we see it here. Church, the Greek word is ekklesia, means the gathered assembly. And so it is the gathering of the disciples. And so if I've gone to the person and didn't get anywhere, I've taken a couple people with me, we didn't get anywhere. Now we take it to the entire assembly of the Christian community. Now, is he talking about taking them before a thousand people? No, he's, he's talking about a small group. Remember, speaking to Jewish people here, and their mindset would be a synagogue, and you only needed 10 families to make up a synagogue. So he's talking about a fairly small group that he's thinking about here. And so you, you get the entire family of God in that local context involved in this. And it continues in verse 17, if he doesn't pay attention even to the church, let him be like a Gentile and a tax collector to you. Now, the you here is singular, so you individual. So this is how you as an individual are to treat this person when they will not even listen to the church. You're basically saying treat him like an unbeliever because they're acting like an unbeliever. So I mean, you're not just being petty here. There is an actual legitimate scriptural violation that's engaged here, an actual for real offense. Then he's basically stiff-arming the Word of God and saying, the Word of God has no authority over my life. And now he's stiff-arming the Christian community and saying, the community of Christian believers has no authority over my life. Talk to the hand. And if that's the case, what they're essentially saying is God has no authority over me. They are acting like an unbeliever. And so Jesus is saying, then treat them like an unbeliever. So verses 15 through 17, it's addressed to the singular you. This is how you are to act with a brother who is sinning. Now in the next segment, starting in verse 18, we'll shift to plural you, and we'll see more about now the church itself. He said here, take it to the church, but the results of that is how I am supposed to deal with that person. Next time we'll look at the church itself, the plural you, how they are dealing with things. So how we get along with one another is incredibly important. And so this whole extended discourse is about those one another relationships. And we've had the warnings about be careful that you don't cause another disciple to trip up and fall. Now he's given the flip side of that. And if you are one of those others who somebody has been sinning against, here's what you do. You go and talk to them with a goal of reconciliation. They won't listen to you, take some others. They won't listen to them, take it to the church. They won't listen to them, then they're essentially acting like an unbeliever. So treat them like an unbeliever. Now, is this a recipe for church discipline? Not in itself. It's guidance on how you as an individual are to treat someone. 
And he's going to shift gears here in a minute and talk about the gathered church and how it deals with things. So this is all the lead-in to that with the, the end result of treat them like an unbeliever. And that assumes that none of the interventions have worked. Because the goal is not to kick someone out of the community. The goal is to help someone reconcile with others and reconcile with God. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Matthew.